quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of control parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connected parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I have a guest, Shelly, here who's come with a lovely parenting question. So Shelly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Shelly Belk. I found Peace and Parenting on Instagram and just absolutely love what she puts out. It really speaks to me and the values that I have as a parent. I am a mother of one. She's five years old and we are extremely happy just having our one child. That's the plan for us. And yeah. (laughs) Great. I mean, I think that's a good plan. One is probably a lot easier than multiple children. And I have a lot of respect (laughs) for that decision. So good for you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So Shelly, tell me one thing that's going well for you today. Just anything Ooh. in your world that's going well can be anything. Yeah, I have a big one. I actually just quit my job and I will be coaching full time. So my last day is Wednesday and I just made my announcement on Instagram today. So this Yay. is a big, exciting day today. Oh my gosh, good <laughs> for you. Congratulations. Welcome you. to the world. It's so exciting. Great. Good for you. I was going to say something that's going well. I'm going out to dinner with my friends tonight. So I'm kind of excited. I haven't seen them in a while because I don't know, life's been crazy in quarantine and whatnot. So yes, (laughs) yes, I need it. I need mommy time. All right. So you wrote in with a question. So why don't you just tell our audience what your question is? And then you and I will discuss it and hopefully give people some ideas about if they had similar questions where they might go in that realm. Yeah. So my question was how to navigate children who are like very good at negotiating 
when it comes to hard no's. And something that I kind of struggle with is my background in behavior analysis and just navigating like that compassion and not just like, this is what I say, and I'm going to praise you for doing that. And that's probably our biggest struggle. My daughter's very, very smart and we let her negotiate a lot. I think that's a really important skill, but because I'll bring in behavioral terms, because that's reinforced, like we let her negotiate. She has a really hard time when there is just clear no's such as like, no, you're not going to cut your own fingernails and you're not going to cross the street by yourself. And I'm even seeing it with some of her peers as well. They're like, no, I don't want to do the dance that you said. And she has a really hard time with that. So okay, yeah, that's my question. I think it's a good question. I think that you're probably, I know you're not alone because I have a kid who's super strong-willed who doesn't want to hear no. And when she was younger, really actually still likes to negotiate. And I have to say, like you said, that's a good skill, right? We want our children to stand up for themselves. We want them to say no if they don't like it and not feel like whatever we say goes because- if that's the case, then they might go to somebody who's not a necessarily good person and they'll take that no from them or they won't stand up for themselves with those other people because they haven't been given the opportunity to stand up for themselves at home. So I think it is important to let kids really say no. I think the other thing is too, is that they have a right to not want to do things. And sometimes when it is, the answer really is no, there's space still in there. And there's a place to still have empathy. And I think that's the piece that kind of gets missed when we set limits or when we have a boundary, we expect our kid to just adhere and move forward and not have the pushback and not have the upset and not have the feelings around it. And so I think one, just, especially if you have that type of a kid to like, expect that you're going to get the big feelings around it and to make space for that. And if you're not in a space to hear that, then you might really want to reevaluate when and where you're saying no to, because there are places where we can say yes, that really reevaluating, is this a hard no? Mm -hmm. Or can we allow our kid to do whatever it is they're asking? Maybe do you have an example of something that she's perhaps said or tried to negotiate with that you don't want to allow her the negotiations? Yeah. Like I said, things like cutting her own fingernails again, I'm like, well, you're five. I don't want you to hurt. I mean, it's always like a safety concern, right? And we have like the safety ones and I'm like, well, let me do it with you. She's literally since the moment she could talk is like, I do. She does everything herself. Yeah. Which is great Um, to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. What does the conversation look like? She'll say she's got a hangnail or something like that. Mommy, can you go get the the nail clippers? And I'll say, sure, but I'm going to help you with it. I feel like I set her up a lot of pre-framing expectations. And then it's just kind of that battle. Okay, how about you just watch me only? And then it's just like this kind of like back and forth negotiation. And if I'm like, no, I'm just going to do it for you, it's like you said, lots of big emotions. (laughs) And maybe that's the perfect place for her to be. Sometimes kids will push a boundary because they need to have an emotional upset. And so she might be using those boundaries as a place to have her feelings. I don't know if there's anything wrong with her having that huge tantrum and just saying, no, I'm really sorry that you want it. I know you wanted to cut your own nails. I get that. And just to lean into the big feelings because those big feelings are likely it's very possible they're not about the hangnail. 
They're not about her cutting her own nails, but if she gets really, really, really upset, that likely that's old hurt and old upset and old feelings that need to be processed and need to come out. And they're just coming out in a very inopportune and weird place, which kids do. They'll attach feelings to all kinds of different events. Maybe too, it was triggering for her. Maybe she got hurt when she clipped a nail or something, and now it's triggering that old hurt. And so it's re-stimulating her feelings and diving her deeper into her emotionality. And so that's allowing her to have a place to have those feelings. And I think just really leaning into empathy regardless will allow her to at least be heard and seen and understood, but it doesn't mean that you have to renege on your boundary. You don't have to give in, but you do have to give the empathy. Yeah. I think that's really powerful because we do that as adults too. Like it's not usually the thing that you're upset over. <laughs> no, it isn't. But yeah. I guess my question, I know this doesn't necessarily go with the original question, but when I do, and my husband's good at this too, like when we do give that empathy, specifically labeling, like, I know you really wanted to cut your fingernails. That tends to make her like ramp up and get more upset when I'm labeling the thing that she's upset about. Perfect. That's a perfect, perfect, perfect. It's like when you're really upset and then you see your best friend and she's like, I'm so sorry. And then you're like, then you can really let it out. That deep empathy and understanding will allow her a place to be more upset. And a lot of times kids have to crescendo into their upset and really ramp up. I think that's the thing with society is that we really believe in our heart of hearts that we're supposed to keep our kids calm and that having big tantrums and big feelings isn't necessarily good or right. And that if those things become out of control, that there's something wrong with our child and likely there's something wrong with us. I know I always thought, okay, if my kid's tantruming like that, I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad mom. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's a reflection of me. I have to get it to stop. I have to get the tangerine to stop. I have to get the feelings to stop. But I think in peaceful parenting and connective parenting, we really lean into allowing it to really go off the rails if it needs to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you're doing it perfectly. You're telling her, (laughs) I'm here for you. And I understand it's really upset. A lot of times, as me will say, sometimes you don't understand. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, now I've gotten there because she knows I understand. She's saying that because she's scared of her own feelings. She's scared to feel it. She knows she's going to be upset and she doesn't want to. So she deflects and tries to make it about me. But if I just sit in long enough and stay long enough, she'll get to the crying. And that's kind of where we want them to get is to out to crying. And if we're empathic enough, they will get there. Yeah, that's really powerful because... It was like, I'm doing all the things, right? Like I'm sitting with that, but it's just the, oh, I'm letting her go deeper because I'm seeing her and hearing her and not move away from my own avoidance and escape of her pain, which, right. That's like my behavior mind coming in. (laughs) Yeah. We want to modify the behavior. We want to change it. We want to make it different, but we really don't. We just want the behavior to exist and where it needs to be. And also it's like, we likely weren't allowed to do that as kids. And so for us, it's very triggering. It's like, oh, this must be wrong because I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. Yes. That is something that I continue to work through. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. Because it's unsettling. Society says like, 
I was on a plane the other day and there was a kid just wailing and the guy next to me is like, oh, I wish that kid would shut up. And I was thinking, God, that poor kid, that poor parent, like they're having such a hard time. They're in this confined place and we're in this society where a kid can't even cry in an airplane. Yeah. It's thought of as wrong. Yeah. That's so sad to me. It really is. I yeah. wish society gave us more breaks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. In agreement. <laughs> Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family, and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. Any other questions or things that have come up that you want to discuss? Yeah, I think on kind of that same vein, just hearing like your perspective. So the accepting no, I'll give you a story for context. She was with some little friends she'd not met before. We were at a get together and they were going to make up their own dance. And they were kind of off doing their own things. Moms were chatting. My like mom's spidey senses came on. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go check on them. And she's like about to cry. And I was like, what's going on? They were going to make up a dance and she really likes ballet and she wanted them to do ballet. And they're like, well, we don't want to do ballet. So they're kind of all negotiating. Well, how about you do ballet and this person will do jazz and this person will do their hip hop moves and it'll all kind of be this collective thing. She did not like that. And I see her trying to work through it. She's like, but we're a team. We're doing this together. Why can't we all do the ballet piece? The all do the jazz piece, all do the hip hop piece. And the one girl was just like, no. I don't like ballet and I'm not doing it. And part of me was like, hell yeah, someone needs to push back on her because she's an only child and we let her negotiate. And like, I was all about it. Yeah, I was trying to kind of talk them, coach them through it. I'm like, well, what is it that you don't like about ballet? And she said, my friend got hurt in doing ballet once. And I was like, wow, see, like when we can be curious, we can understand other people, all the things, right? Like I was feeling really good. (laughs) And my daughter was just like, no. It has to be my way. And the friend actually ended up walking away and leaving. And I kind of was like, you know, you cannot force other people to do what you want to do. And sometimes the consequence is going to be they're going to walk away or maybe you miss out on an opportunity of playing all those things. And so then my conflict with that, thinking of it later, they ended up dancing. It was fine. And my conflict with that, I guess, on both sides for both kids was how do you accept no within your friends and maybe have those boundaries, but then not give in to and become this like people pleaser. I was really trying to get them to see like each other and how they can work through it, but neither one of them wanted to. I mean, we're talking about five-year-olds here. (laughs) I guess it was like, how do we get her to work through being told no without just like being submissive and then adopting that those people pleasing tendencies. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. I think there's two parts to it too. I think I would have too, just bringing the kids together and saying to your daughter, what is it 
that you want to do? And she'd say, well, I really want to do ballet and saying to the other girl, what is it that you want to do? And she's like, well, I really don't want to do ballet. And just saying to them, hey, we have a conflict here, ladies. What can we do? Should we fix this? How can we fix it? And having them, they're five. If they can do a dance together, they can problem solve how to do the dance together and let them figure it out. Because maybe they would come to an okay remedy to fix this dance situation, or maybe not. Maybe it would have ended because they ended up dancing together and it was just fine. But I think being there and letting them both say their piece might have allowed them to hear each other a little more. And then saying to them, hey, how can we fix this? And letting them try to fix it. That's where I'd start. And then I think it all goes back to, again, empathy. She'll learn the lesson from her friends that if she pushes back too much and she doesn't compromise enough that she won't have the friends to play with. Because she's strong-willed, I wouldn't be too worried that she's going to be a people pleaser. But I think at the, at the same time, when she does learn the lesson, when the friend does eventually walk away and say, I don't want to play with you because you're not bending enough. Then we say, oh, I'm so sorry. Your friend didn't want to play with you. That must be really hard. You had a really tough time during that. She knows in her own mind why, or she'll get there if she experiences it enough. We don't need to tell her she's going to get there and find it herself. When we tell them they hear it, but I don't know that if they really understand it until they experience it. But when we give them the empathy and the understanding and we sit with them in that space for a minute, those lessons naturally sink in because we have our own shame and our own remorse already built into our body naturally. And those things will come, they will do their magic and work their work if they're given the space to. Yeah. So I think all you have to do is be empathic when it does happen and not try to fix it before it fails. Let it fail because let her fail now at five and let her fail five or six or seven times now. And then she'll learn. I don't want to be a people pleaser because she might go both ways, right? She might give in a few times and give up the ballet and do the hip hop because everybody else wanted to. And then she's going to go home and not feel good about that experience. And that will sink in. And then maybe a couple of times she'll have friends who walk away and say, I don't want to play with you anymore because you weren't flexible enough. And she'll learn all learning process. And I just think letting them fail, but coming with you be the counselor as opposed to the fixer or the negotiator or the ringleader, just be the confidant. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. Because like you said, let her have, if she doesn't have the experience, she won't know what feels right for her. Yeah. Internal, moral, (laughs) internal clock, right? You got to figure out and you'll, she'll probably pendulum each way. Mm -hmm. And that's good because that's where you're learning. This is my line. This is where I will give in and here's where I won't. And now I won't be a people pleaser, but I also will know how to negotiate and I'll Mm -hmm. know how to be flexible, but I'll also know how to stand up for what I want. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense to me. (laughs) That's so hard. Hard to not intervene as a parent, but it 100% makes sense. (laughs) It's hard because we don't want them to suffer. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to watch them suffer. And we think in our like adult brain, oh, well, I know that if I would just be more flexible or stand my ground here, we know the nuance of all that. They don't have the background yet. Yeah. But those are her experiences to develop, not mine. Yeah. (laughs) And we can't save them from all the hurt. That's what's Mm -hmm. so hard is that they will come hurt. And lots of, lots of times, unfortunately, but all good for them Mm -hmm. and us. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) What other things? 
I'll give you another example. I'm going to assume what you're going to say. It's the same thing. Like just hold the space, give empathy. It's pretty similar, but I'll just give you another example. For instance, we're pretty strict with screen time. So she gets to watch two episodes of TV in the morning. That is it. It has been that way for two, three years now. She knows that is the routine. Again, I have a degree in behavior analysis and we don't do three episodes because I know what that will look like, right? We're super, super consistent when it comes to those kinds of rules, I guess. We're always like, okay, remember, we're watching the two episodes. Which ones do you want? Blah, blah, blah. And when it comes time to turn it off, okay, this is the last one. Like so many mornings, we turn it off. I kid you not, Michelle, for three years, she whines and cries. And in my mind, which I know is not, that's just my own experiences. I'm like, how are we still whining and crying? Every day is the same. Dad doesn't give in. I don't give in. It's not sometimes we watch three. It's not sometimes we watch in the afternoon where that inconsistency is very confusing for her. Like every day is the same and every day she's, it's like she's never heard it before. Those are the situations where both me and my husband get really frustrated to hold that empathy because I have has nothing to do with her being smart, but those are the thoughts that come like, yeah. this is smart. Like, why are yeah. you not getting this? We set it up. <laughs> we did it just right. We're not yeah. giving in here. So many things. But one thing is that electronics are super disconnective. Yeah. Even if you gave her a half a show one day and six shows the next day, it wouldn't matter. She'd still be upset. It isn't mm-hmm. the consistency that's going to keep her from tantruming. Got it. Consistency, I think, can be good, but I don't think that it changes emotionality. Because if a child is upset, they're upset. And mm-hmm. that's not going to change whether we're consistent or not consistent. And life is not consistent. One day we go to Disneyland. One day we don't. One mm-hmm. day we get cake after dinner. One day we don't. Mm-hmm. One day is a birthday party. Life is not consistent. And There's no way to make it consistent. And so I actually lean into inconsistency because I think it makes more flexible kids. When we get too consistent, we have kids that are inflexible. And so I really lean into inconsistency, but I also know that with anything in parenting, there's always feelings. And so one, I think be prepared for her to have feelings after those electronics. I think your mindset is that she's going to not have the feelings because it's every day and it's consistent and it's set up in a certain way. But I think that's just not the case. Yeah. Going to have feelings. So expect the feelings. And when we expect the feelings, now we can say, okay, it's not so hard for us because we're like, okay, I knew this was going to come. This is nothing new. Like she's going to have these and I'm going to be okay with her having them because it's a natural reaction to something so tantalizing and amazing as an electronic Mm -hmm. because we're giving them this powerful entertainment tool. And then we're taking it away. Just imagine if someone were to take your phone away after two episodes and you wanted to binge watch whatever it is, euphoria, which I will binge watch every day. (laughs) If somebody took it away after two episodes, I would lose my mind. (laughs) So I think that in perspective and also Sometimes kids just need to have their feelings and they use, she did with the nail clippers, possibly they kind of use some of these happenings to release. So I think, yeah, like you're right. Use the empathy, but also all the other things like expect it to come. 
that mm-hmm. way we're not so shocked. And then we're exacerbated and then we're like, God, every morning we have to have this upset. Yep. Every morning we have to have this upset. And maybe you want to say like, it's not worth it every morning to have the upset. Maybe we don't want to have electronics every morning if the upset's too much. Maybe we say we're only going to have it a couple of days a week or we're only going to have it once a week. And maybe that if she's always having an upset, maybe we move the electronic time somewhere else where we can lean into the empathy. We have time to do that. We have time to sit with her because we know that upset's coming. We also have to build in time for the empathy. So moving the electronics to a different time of day where we're more resourced or we have more time or we feel like you back end this kind of parenting. Like I know that dinner time is hard, so I'm going to cushion it with connection. Also, the other thing I like to do is to sit with the kids before they get off their electronics, especially when they're really little, sit with them and say, oh, I don't know. Strawberry shortcake is so cute in there. She's having a great time. Like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, Paw Patrol is super awesome and get involved with them. And then you have a little bit of connection piece before you're turning it off. Yeah. You can also pat it the other way where you can say after your electronics, we're going to have special time Mm -hmm. so that you're padding it with connection on the end because she's so disconnected, prefrontal cortex, not engaged, disconnected, can't think or reason well, probably why she's having the upset. So can we get her connected again with some play one-on-one play? And can we do special time? after the electronics so that we can get her connected well so that she's doing better. I love that. I love that idea. Cause if we do have the time, she loves Paw Patrol and be like, okay, now we're going to play out that episode. She like loves to pretend play. And those days seem to be a little bit better. And yeah, no, that's really, really helpful information. Good, (laughs) good, good, good. It's all connection, right? All back to connection and trying to get connection and the empathy, if you don't want to do the play, like you don't have to, the empathy after this upset or during this upset is also connective because you're connecting with her on an emotional level. You're there with her, you're seeing her, you're hearing her, you're understanding her. So the special time is connective, but so is the empathy. You can also use one or the other. Sometimes you can use one, sometimes you can use the other. Sometimes you can use, let's play hide and seek, play a game, figure out something to move her, transition her a little more. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I've got some new tools to try out. Yay. (laughs) Yay. I'm so glad. Anything else? I think that's all the questions I kind of wrote down. I hope that they were great for you. (laughs) Yeah, they were so good. I think people will really be able to glean a lot of good information from them. And I know you're not alone. I know that everyone everybody struggles with electronics. That's like a major struggle for everybody. So I think that one especially is good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, thank you so much thank for, you. Coming. for having me. I so very much appreciate it. And thanks to all those people out there listening for coming to the, and listening to the peace and parenting podcast. And we will see you guys next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.